the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I am, in fact, Spud Spud Goodman. Spud Man. I'm laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. We are but a simple radio program, but we aspire to be much more. Call us dreamers or untethered from reality, but it's not impossible that we'll someday, you know, be taken seriously and cease to be ignored. You know, labeled as a non-player in the media landscape. Yeah, you know, we may well be the radio version of the Jamaican Olympic bobsled team, but we will keep our heads down and continue the good fight until the last second of the fourth quarter. Or until I get so bored I just hang it up. Now my, you know, I, I really do need to introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give us a decent guffaw. You, you've got it, Spud. Right. <laughs> oh, how was it? It was serviceable. Uh, Thank you. And now it's my privilege to introduce our, you know, our our guest co-host, a man who serves as our show's public sector food critic, Lawrence. Hey, Lawrence. uh, You know, I've I've never said your last name before on the air because I don't know it. What is it? It's uh, Johnson. All right, super. Okay. Welcome, Lawrence Johnson, who will be sitting in for our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, I guess he called in sick with a cold or something. That is messed up, yo. Now, we appreciate you stepping up and helping us out here. It's not like I couldn't do this show by myself, but frankly, it's too much work. Well, yeah, of course, of course. You know I'm a team player. I, yeah. I got the call to fill in, and so, you know, here I am. You know, I would rather be home, of course, watching another episode of Fuller House on Netflix there, but uh, when you asked to, me to serve, yeah. I could not turn my back on this show. You, you know. know, hey... I could be home watching another episode of Sex Education, Ooh, one of the better show. shows on yeah. Netflix, right? Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, I'm happy to serve as a laugher on this show, but I have a life, too. Okay, okay, point taken. We are in debt to both of you. Good. Well, you know, I might be in debt to you because coming into the studio saved me another one of those long Greyhound bus trips, you know, to do that uh, my f- public sector food uh, review, right, you know? Right, right. So, you know, it's, it's all good, you know? I think I was supposed to go to um, uh, the officers club over there at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, you know. Wow. It's not that I don't enjoy doing my reviews, but, you know, I, I need a week off the road sometimes. Well, why didn't you say so? Well, I hear you. So so what I wanted to discuss on this episode was... Hey, you know, listen, some- listen. Uh, can I use this show to make a, a new audition reel? I need one. And my old one just uh, had a few reviews of, like, post office snack bar, and there's a college cafeteria in there. It just doesn't have enough, you know, sizzle. Um, 
Yeah, I, I guess. Oh, thank you. What, thank you. what are you audition for? Uh, what are you auditioning for? I mean, well, well I'm going to keep asking it to you tell me because okay, I really okay. want to know. I'll tell you what it is because everybody's got a dream. I got a dream. I got goals what? and a plan. I want to one day have my own talk show. You know, and, and I don't want your job. Now, I'm not um, angling for your job. Yeah, well. At least not right now. No. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, I'm going to be honest with you. No worries. Because if I get canned, I get unemployment. Um, and they, they don't give it to you if you quit. So, seriously, feel free to go for my position. You have my endorsement. Well, <laughs> I, I, okay, I got to say, I, I sort of have bigger dreams than doing this show. I want to be somebody, you know. I know that, dude. I would oh, like to be on that, you show? know. Nothing wrong with the show, but I'm I'm shooting for like NPR. That's what I really want to do. They've got really? some great programs. There. Well, I'm a big NPR fan myself, you know, and I think you would be a great host there, Lawrence. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Jobs. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. You know, I haven't contacted anyone there yet, uh, and like I said, I, I need a better air check reel, you know, showing my skills. Well, so do what you need you- to do, okay? I. I- but I still have to do my job, like, right now, okay? At least do the bare minimum, interviewing people and stuff on this show. God, I sure hope Gerald isn't listening and maybe calls into the show. I don't think it's going to happen. But feel free to jump in when you want to. No, okay? don't, no don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm not going to mess with you doing your interviews with the guests or anything, Spud. Okay, after the show, I, I'm just going to edit out everything but me talking, you know? All I need really? is a strong couple minutes. Yeah, I, I, that'll oh, work. well, okay. I'll try to keep my laughing to a minimum so I don't step on your better moments, Lawrence. Oh, don't worry about that. I appreciate that. That's really nice of you, but you know, don't worry about me. Okay. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to have more than enough of me to, to get where I want to go. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who would have thought that I will someday be on NPR? And when I was doing time over at Pelican Bay, you know, I could have signed up for a time slot on the prison radio station there. I, I mean, it was only five watts, but... Most everyone except the dudes in solitary can listen to it. It's just that the reception down there, it's, it's not good. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, you know, with this new criminal justice reform, you never would have gone to prison for art forgery. But I don't know. Oh. It's just too bad you passed too on it. As you could have used the six and a half years you served there as job experience on your resume. Oh, Radio yeah. station bigwigs, they, they don't need to know it's only five watts. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. Hey, uh, you should take a job on AM Talk Radio. You know that part of radio needs a major talent infusion. Too many overweight white men with low T count blabbering on and on about nonsense. Yeah, that's true. But you know what? AM's not really my scene, you know. Um, well, we are on a few AM stations, you know. Uh, we do like those stations. Oh, point taken. Uh, but no need to be a kiss-up, Spud. Well, let's, just... Yeah, let's just try and keep it real here. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, Aunt Dorothy, I get it. I mean, it's... FM, you know, the middle of the dial in FM is the promised land. I hear you. Hey, Spud. Someone keeps calling into the show and hanging up. Should I try and have someone trace the call? Well, only if it messes up, you know, our guests calling in. Keep me posted on that one, all right? Okay, well, now let me introduce our musical guest, who I will be speaking with a little later on. Please welcome St. John and the Revelations.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Yo, this is David Allen Greer, and you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show. Spud, you're the, your first uh, guest, Sheila E. She's on the line holding for you right now. Hey, hey, wasn't she your good friends with Prince? You know, she played in his band, didn't she? Uh, yeah, for a while. She played with a ton of people over the years. I, I, I think she's called the Queen of Percussion. I, I don't know who gave her that title, as, as queens aren't elected, right? Um, I think it'd be actually... No, it's all about family lineage. I think Sheila East title is an honorary one, honorary one, you know, for being one of the top percussionists in the world. Oh, you know what? Actually, if she's queen, that means she's number one. And I guess there must be like a princess of percussion or maybe like a duchess too out there. They're playing in some band or something. But, you know, this would make her numero uno. You know, way back, I played her solo album, The Glamorous Life, all the time, you know, before I go out clubbing. Oh, I don't think so. Clubbing. Oh, you never went clubbing. You don't dance. I've tried to get you to go out with me and my friends. You always say no. Okay, okay I only dance at home, but anyway, just put her through. Welcome to the show, musician and author Sheila E. Thanks for checking in with us. Hi, how are you? Yeah, well... So you're hosting an island escape in March. That right now sounds pretty darn good dealing with the rain here in Seattle. Give us a scoop on the excursion. Absolutely. Uh, it's March 14th through the 20th, and it's in Costa Mujeres, Cancun, which mm. is about 20 minutes from the Cancun airport. And it's at the new, uh, newly built Grand Palladium Hotel Resort and Spa in Costa Mujeres. It's a beautiful resort. I've been there. I just left there and it's gorgeous. Um, we're going to have a lot of activities, a lot of music and fun. You know, hey, Spread, Spread. Yeah. You know, I've never been to Cancun before. I, you know, I've watched all those drunk kids on MTV Spring Break show and all that right, stuff. Right, right. But, you know, my toes have never touched the sand on those beaches. You know, I'd really like to build, like, a sand castle or, you know, bury myself while, while you know, of course, still leaving their little breathing hole and stuff. Okay. But I, I think they, they serve those free continental breakfasts there. You know, if I hit happy hour in the early evening for some free snacks, yeah. all I would have to take care of was my lunch. Now, you think I could ask Sheila E if maybe I could get a free airline ticket or reduce hotel rate for down there? Uh, hey, Sheila, I, I need a moment here. Uh, uh. I mean, yeah, I, I can't ask guests for free stuff, you know? Management put it in writing. We can't even ask them to, you know, any guest to send us like an autographed photo. I've been told it's tacky. Oh, I get that. It does look a bit sad when a host or a co-host begs for something from a guest. Now, as a designated laugher, I'm a bit more removed from the power structure and yeah, could probably get away with it, don't you think? No, I could I... request, say, an autographed poster, as I got one from Howie Mandel when he was on the show. What? Yeah, his people overnighted it to me. Now, don't anyone tell Gerald about no, no, this. No, 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 okay, no, I'm not a, even a real co-host here. I'm just filling in, so, you know, maybe I can at least ask for some free drink tickets, something like that. I'm sorry, Lawrence, but uh, I would catch hell at our next staff meeting, but right now I, I need to get back to the interview. Uh, all right, I'm back. Sorry about that. 
great. All right. Well, let me hit you with this. You're you're referred to as the queen uh, of percussion, and and you hail from. A legendary, a legendary musical family. Everyone's aware of that. It'd take me an hour to go through all the accomplishments of your of your family with your dad and all your many uncles. Was it a no-brainer for you to follow in the musical tradition of the family? <clears throat> Not necessarily, because I wanted to be an astronaut, the first girl on the astronaut uh, as on the moon as an astronaut, or to win a gold medal in track and field which is really what I was doing. I was running track. I was an athlete. My mom was an athlete. And that's what I wanted to do. I was training to be in the Olympics, oh. running track. Oh, super. Well, I wanted to say this. You know, we, we had your uncle Alejandro uh, perform on my old TV show. I'm a major fan of his, a really great person. He's an amazing artist. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I just love the guy. So I just wanted to throw that out. Thank you so much. He's an amazing guy. He is. Yep. Well, besides your solo work, which we'll, we'll cover in a sec, millions around the world, uh, obviously, know your work with Prince, uh, <laughs> performing on stage and recording with him in the studio. So looking back to the early days when you first encountered him in, like, I think, I believe, 78, and later going to the studio with him on Purple Rain in 84, here's what I want to know. I was just curious. Did you really foresee then the magnitude of his impact on music and pop culture to the world? No, I don't think he knew that either. Uh, I, Purple Rain changed his life, uh, the mu the movie. Uh, once he did the movie, that just opened up a door that just changed his life. So, <clears throat> because his music at the very beginning was a little bit more, a little bit more punk rock and roll. Right. Um, and the sounds were different. So he was, you know, brand new at this. And uh, he was trying to figure out who he was, you know, as an artist, <clears throat> excuse me, and a songwriter. So, you know, as you can tell through all the, the, uh, the gr a great songwriter continues to grow and change their sounds, which is what he has done throughout the years. And every album sounds a little bit different in what he talks about and the uh, instrumentation of, and what instruments sound like. He wasn't afraid to change the drum sounds or, or the drum beats or, you know, not use a bass in a song. Or, so it, 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 that's a great songwriter. I mean, all the songs, he continued to write and write. And as he grew, you know, so did his music. Right. Well, following the release of Purple Rain, you released The Glamorous Life. I bought it. Um, you co-produced it with Prince, right? So was he easy to work with in the studio or was he, as legend goes, you know, a bit of a control freak? Because you know, history says geniuses are often difficult to work with. Uh, no, him and I had a different relationship than he had with other people. So uh, for us, doing the record and working with him constantly, um, we did things together like half the time I was his engineer. I would record punching him in on on tape, you know, if there's things that he couldn't do. Um, it was just him and I in the studio. And half the time he would, you know, give me stuff to remix. Like I remixed Pop Life for him. I did that remix and... There's music he would just send me for me to finish. So uh, I never knew that side of him um, as far as being in the studio like that, no. Oh, all right. Well, you know, in your book, The Beat of My Own Drum, which is still available, um, it's in print still, uh, you discuss touring with Marvin Gaye, another one-of-a-kind legendary figure in the music industry. How How is that experience? Uh, it was really incredible because you grew up listening to uh, an artist that you love and adore and you end up performing or playing with them in their band, uh, it was pretty amazing. You know, I couldn't believe it. Like, wow, I'm playing with Marvin Gaye. Uh, he was yeah. an incredible man, very soft-spoken. Um, we had a, 
she had a 25, 28-piece band orchestra slash orchestra. Um, it's not that he needed any of us to really perform and and, and uh, be successful because just him being on the piano and playing and singing by himself, we were all mesmerized by that. So it's not like he needed us at all. Uh, he was an incredible man. Right. Um, you know, this is kind of off topic, but I'm someone who's considering getting a Fitbit, and I was curious, as one of the top percussionists in music, how many calories do you burn in an average show? Probably more than an NBA player, right? <laughs> I don't really know. I do have a Fitbit, and I know sometimes when I'm finished with my show, I'm, I'm past the 10,000 steps. So. Oh, my God. Jeez. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That's impressive. Okay, well, all right. One, I know you got to get going. So one last question. It's kind of my cliche industry one. Uh, what's been your most memorable moment in music? Let's just go with that. In music, probably yeah. the first time I played with my dad because that's when I realized that this is what I should be doing for the rest of my life, and that was at age 15. 15? Wow. Where was the show at? Uh, it was in San Francisco for uh, Mayor Moscone at the time for 3,000 people uh, at an event in San Francisco. And um, that was when my dad had a band called Azteca, which was signed. They were signed to CBS and Clive Davis. And they were also on tour with Earth, Wind & Fire and Stevie Wonder and Temptations. So that was the show that I played with my dad and, and realized that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Wow. All right, super. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, well, let, let me You're say, welcome. Yeah, let me say again, you're hosting an island escape in March, and people can get uh, you know further information at SheilaE.com, correct? Correct. All right, super. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to call into our show. Thank you so much for having me. There you have it, Ms. Sheila E. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. We are down north, baby. We on the Spud Goodman Show. And we all scared of robots, baby. <laughs> Woo! They come to get our jobs. Oh! We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. You know, Lawrence, I would be happy to like sit down at any time with you and, and give you some tips on what to put on your reel and what to say if you get a job interview. I've been around a long time. I know all there is to know, and I've seen pretty much everything. I'm Teddy Powers! Mm, yeah, I appreciate that, but I think I'm going to be okay. Oh, Spud, really? Yeah, you might not so. be the best to dispense career advice. You've had serious issues over the years that might disqualify you as a role model. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you, okay, sure. I've, I never got hired by Clear Channel or now iHeartRadio or whatever they're called. Well, I like or Intercom or, or what? Or, or whoever. Who's that other company in that monopoly? There's three or four of them. Anyway, big deal. I had to go the small independent radio angle, and I'm very proud of it. Well, I'd I be can proud. handle things. I'm smart. I would be proud too, but you know, I'd rather get a gig with one of those companies with uh, paid vacations and a free health club membership. 
Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, there are more important things in life than jobs with perks like healthcare and, and Christmas Day off. You're still going to have to look at yourself in the mirror each morning if you're working for the man. Uh, Spud, somebody keeps calling in, and now before they hang up, they blow a whistle. It's like they're trying to harass us. Don't worry about it. Just, just hold the phone away from your ear when you pick up. You had me at hello. Okay, but I think phone harassment is a crime. Okay, anyway, my, my plan is, uh, now don't take this wrong because I say this with the utmost respects, but yeah. it makes sense to me to just do the opposite of what you're doing on this show. Oh, I always knew you were really bright, Lawrence. Do the opposite of what I do? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, like when you're interviewing guests, it seems to me that you're more interested in what you have to say than what the guest has to say. You know what I'm saying? Yes! Uh, yeah, I'm a talk show host. I talk for a living, okay? You talking to me? You talking to me? Uh, it's called the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, the guest I'm interviewing is not in the show title, so I am the focus. I mean, sure, I know mm. listeners are more interested in what famous celebrities have to say than my opinion on stuff, but the one perk I do have in this job is I get to drive the damn bus. It's my show. Oh, okay. brother. Okay, okay, and that's why I want my own bus or, or show. From my time on Greyhounds, I, I found it's a better way to be. It's better to be the driver than the passenger, yeah. you see. Now, like, you could stop for bathroom breaks anytime you want, and um, you know what? I would never use the one uh, on the bus to do a number two because that would be very wrong. What the hell do you have to lose? You know, I've never been a passenger in my career. That's why I never go on other shows. I prefer to drive. Try it. Uh, well, that. And most other radio show hosts kind of don't like you, Spud. I'm just being honest here. I think you make them uncomfortable. I am likable. Uh, I mean, some people like me. I like you, Spud. All right. You're kind of cool. Thank you. So, so I'm guessing you don't even want to use me as a job reference either, huh? I mean, I'd be willing to, to write a letter of recommendation. No, no, probably not. But I thank you anyway. Good call, Lawrence. Good call, yo. Okay, fine. C can you check and see if our next guest is ready to go? Uh, yeah, your next guest, uh, Joe Berlinger, is ready to go now. Super. You know, this guy's done a number of award-winning documentaries. His newest project is now airing on Netflix. And I won't lie, you know, previewing the, the Ted Bundy tapes wasn't pleasant viewing. Uh, very, very dark material. Yeah, I know I need to watch some old America's Funniest Home Videos reruns on YouTube after I sit down to check this one out. Yeah. It's not that easy. I'm just waiting to get that password back uh, to my friend's Netflix account. And if, if I do, I'm going to watch it. But generally, I don't enjoy stuff that doesn't have a happy ending. Yeah, I, I, okay, all right. Anyway, well, just just put Joe through, please. Okay, okay. Um, I don't think I'm going to be jumping in on this interview here and offering my take as, you know, Ted Bunny kind of gives me the creeps. Okay, so here's Joe. Please welcome highly acclaimed director and producer Joe Berlinger. Uh, thanks for calling into our show. We appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I mean, of course, Seattle plays a big role in this story. Absolutely. Well, you currently have two projects right now that are that are creating a major buzz, and I might add a, a bit of controversy. First, the Netflix series, the Ted Bundy tapes, and also the feature film, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, starring Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. So there, there's no shortage of feedback from the public right now, I'm guessing, huh? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, look, the people who have actually seen the shows and the, and the film at Sundance have really embraced it. 
but there has been some criticism that people think somehow you know we're glorifying Bundy because you know we cast Zac Efron and he's a good-looking you know buff actor and therefore we're glorifying Bundy but I think people are missing the point that that's exactly why Bundy eluded capture for so long he was a good Bundy was a good-looking charming guy who everyone believed was innocent because he was so uh, first of all no one suspected of him suspected him in the first place which is why he eluded capture and then even at his Florida murder trial people were showing up thinking he was innocent because he was charming and good-looking and you know uh, you know so the idea of the, the idea that we cast him as somehow cast Zac Efron to play that role is somehow glorifying him. I kind of scratch my head over that criticism because the movie is an extremely serious movie about how one becomes a victim to that type of psychopathic behavior. Right. Well, I was kind of curious, how tough was it to cast the lead role of Ted Bundy? Fairly easy or was it a challenge? Well, you know, to be honest with you, Zach was my first choice and it happened incredibly quickly, you know. The fact that these two projects exist together at the same time is hugely coincidental. People might think it's some grand master plan of mine, you know, but it really was a coincidence. Uh, and the movie came together incredibly quickly. Basically, the documentary got off the ground because the author of a book called Conversations with a Killer, Stephen Michaud, had written a book with a guy named Hugh Ainsworth, you know, several decades ago, and the book was based on these audio tapes. You know, uh, Michaud interviewed Bundy on death row for uh, six months, basically a period of six months, hundreds of hours of audio tape. The book came out in the 80s. You know, was successful, came and went, and but Michaud found the tapes and sent them to me because he was a fan of my work, and he said, here, take a listen and see if you think there's anything here uh, for, for a series, because we live in a whole new world of document, you know, because of Netflix and streaming and right. binging, and, right. you know, documentary is ex is kind of, especially true crime is, uh, you know, is experiencing an explosion of popularity. And I was skeptical at first because so much has been done on Bundy, but when I heard these tapes and I felt like we could tell the story through in his own words, uh, not to give him a platform or to glorify him, but to dissect him because he's he's also an unreliable narrator, and the show is full of full of interviews that challenge what he's actually saying. Um, I thought this was an interesting and unique way to tell a story that frankly can't be told enough. The message of Bundy is that those who are closest to us, those who we least suspect, are often the, the ones capable of the worst kind of evil. You know, whether it's a priest who commits pedophilia or a serial killer like Bundy who had lots of good friends and nobody could imagine that he would ever do such a thing. This is a lesson that I, that I want my children to hear mm -hmm. and, and I want the next generation to hear. So again, it's the opposite of glorification. It's, it's warning people that, you know, killers aren't these weird-looking social outcasts that you can easily identify in society. It's quite the opposite often. Um, and so I was already on my way making the documentary, but my agent in, in California, uh, because I was telling him how interesting this Bundy series was, it reminded him of a script that had been kicking around Hollywood. There's a thing called the Hollywood Blacklist, where if, you, if your script is on the Hollywood Blacklist, it means... Uh, executives in Hollywood really like the script but haven't figured out a way to make it and but people seem to like it and so I was sent the script 
partially he was thinking, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, maybe to read it to do research for my documentary series, but I really responded to the script and its unique point of view of telling the story through the eyes of his longtime girlfriend who for years thought he was innocent. That role is played by, you know, magnificently by Lily Collins. Um, And so I read, so I read the script and I, I, I said, Hey, this is really interesting. Let's see if we can try to make this knowing it's a Hollywood blacklisted script that people have tried to make before. And, you know, Jodie Foster, in fact, was attached direct at one point um, so i didn't think this film would get you know independent films are take a long time to put together and i thought this script was going to take forever to put together you know and uh so but the following week there was a agents meeting at caa one of the talent agencies uh, i'm represented there and zach efron is represented there and uh zach's agent when he heard about the script said to my agent you know let's let's have Zach read it because he's looking to do something differently. I thought that was a fantastic idea. He read the script and immediately signed on and immediately, you know, for whatever reason, the funding came together for the movie. So literally five weeks after I had read the script for the first time, uh, we had funding for a a movie that never happens. It usually takes years. And so then I, so then I found myself with two projects that I had to execute at the same time, basically. Well, I, I, something I was thinking about after completing work on, on both of these projects, will it be hard for you to move on mentally, you know, from all the violent imagery and information you had to process for an extended period of time? It had to take a toll on you in some manner. It does. You know, that's a great question. It does take an emotional toll, I'll be honest. You know, staring into the abyss of evil for, you know, a good 18 to 24 months, you know, has affected. <laughs> you know, my outlook on life. Um, and, you know, I jokingly say to my friends, if you look at my filmography, you know, my work generally falls into two buckets, murder and music. Yeah. You know, every now and then I go off and I do a music film like Metallica, some kind of monster. Or I made a film about Great Paul movie. Simon. I made a, thank you. I made a film about gospel music. Um, you know, so I definitely need to go make a music film after this experience because, you know, I need I need to I need to remind myself of the heights of human achievement uh, that can be achieved, uh, not just the depth of human depravity. Yeah, I was thinking you might be due for something light and fluffy, but that's not really how you roll. But anyway, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I can only imagine you got lots of stuff going on. So let me let me remind our listeners that your Netflix documentary, The Ted Bundy Tapes, is now available for viewing and your new feature film, Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile, which which I guess the rights were uh, secured by Netflix. Uh, starring Zac yeah. Efron as Ted Bundy will soon be in theaters everywhere. When when can people look forward to seeing that? Uh, you know, we don't have a release date yet. We're, we're, we're still working on those plans, and we are going to put that out into the world very soon. You know, if people want to check out my Instagram, which is at Joe Berlinger Films, uh, you know, we'll have information uh, for you. All right, super. Well, thank you so much for checking in with us. Cool. Appreciate the call. For all who love beautiful music, there's one program you must hear. This is the Spud Goodman Show. It's musical guest interview time. Say hello to St. John and the Revelations. Hey, uh, uh, St. John, can you introduce uh, one of the Revelations that's with you, your cellist? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Phil Hershey. Phil is a 
a cellist from the Mahavishnu Orchestra from, oh, cool. from uh, way back, and he is a, just a great Seattle uh, superstar musician. Uh, the man can play. Yeah, man. Um, so, so now you, you normally perform with a large band because there's like six of you, I guess. Uh, but yes. if we brought all you guys in, we would have had to knock a wall out in the studio. Yeah. But, but you perform occasionally solo with a smaller situation, right? Yeah, I like to with a band. You know, with so many great instrumentalists in this in this band, I can pull one or two out for a couple of shows here or there. Maybe three or four for a different one, and maybe, maybe once or twice a year we'll have the full band out. Yeah, super. Well, yeah. now were you raised Catholic and formally given the sainthood uh, by, by the Vatican, or that's was right? This, that's right. Uh, you just you need a couple of miracles verified yeah. and and whatnot. Yeah, I come from a very Irish and and. Uh, Italian Catholic background. I'm originally from Canada, and you get to name whatever you want to name your kids there. Oh. Yeah. So uh, it's not one of those titles people can buy on the internet. You're actually... Wow. Okay. Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah. I guess I should... Okay. I didn't bring my. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't wear my 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 ring for anybody to kiss today. It's all cool though. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, my fill-in co-host Lawrence here is putting together Lawrence. an audition reel. Uh, can he ask you a question so he can put it Lawrence. on? Lawrence. Oh, you know Bring what? Um, I haven't really thought of a question yet. So, uh, could you give me a couple hours? Maybe uh, get back oh. to you. Oh. I'll come up with a really good one. Come on, you got, you got nothing for me? Uh, oh, how, how about I'll, I'll, I'll give you the cliche one, and I'll talk. This is for you, Lawrence. Thank uh, you. What artists have had the most influence on your music? Oh, the Beatles, the Clash, uh, Ray Charles, Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a pretty good selection there. Yeah, I see you got some Elvis Costello uh, posters up oh, here yeah. in the studio. I love Elvis. I, Elvis is one of my favorites by far. Yeah, well, that that you pretty much hit it. All right. Well, last question: If you could be any vegetable, what would it be? I would be a celery. Celery. Mm. I myself would opt to be an avocado, uh, especially if I had if I had to eat myself because I love avocados. Celery, not so much. So uh, you might want to think about that next time somebody asks you that question. Celery, I don't know what you're gonna do if you're gonna eat yourself. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay, anyway. So what's the name of the next song and what's it about? Yeah, this one is this is Madman. This one is about I, I wrote this song, leaving my house, going to the pub to meet a girl, and I got this rhythm in my head. Uh, from the walking, it was dink, dink, dink. It was like that. Oh, so, yeah. Cool. Let's do it.
lockdown picked up seeing you Now there's thunder in my soul I feel like I was a starving man With a never empty bowl, no I walk like a madman I dance like a madman I dream like a madman Oh, to be your man Oh, I hope like a madman I dance like a madman I dream like a madman, oh, to be your, your man. thunder in my soul I feel like I was a starving man with a never empty bowl no 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 Goodman Radio Show. Hi, this is Dr. Jonathan Katz, and I see uh, just an, on an ongoing, well, it's on a need-to-know basis, and he seems to need to know about once a week. I see Spud Goodman, who's been wrestling with some serious issues for years, and I'm trying to help him get through it. Hey, Spud, your yeah. last guest, uh, Stephen Bonner, is holding for you. I know who he is. Um, yeah, I guess he's in the UFC Hall of Fame. Yeah. And now he's a wrestler appearing all over the country. As you know, I am a big wrestling fan. I know. Uh, yeah, I feel it's the best sport going. I'm not much of an MMA fan, though, not enough showmanship, and I much prefer a ring to an octagon. Well, Stefan's nickname is the American Psycho, so good thing uh, this conversation's over the phone. Stop being weak! Mm, yeah, I'm not comfortable around violence myself. No, you, you both sound like a couple of wussies. I'll take you two to a wrestling match sometime, and you will fall in love. And then we fell in love. Um, you know, I'm going to have to wear, like, a raincoat then. Is I, I don't even want fake blood on my clothes. It's, it's really tough to get out. Yeah. I learned that one Halloween, but and just just what Stefan threw, and and you know we don't want to annoy him too much. All right, Trust you got me. it. Well, here he is. Give a warm welcome to UFC Hall of Fame fighter, the American Psycho, uh, Mr. Stefan Bonner. Uh, thank you, Mr. Bonner, or, or should I call you Mr. Psycho? Mr. Bonner's fine there. 
All right, all right, fine, okay. Um, now, you're coming to Tacoma on February 16th at the Peak Performance Facility for an MMA seminar put on by the folks at NGW Northwest Pro Wrestling. So you're going to be the featured guest. I take it you won't actually fight or wrestle anyone, right? I hope not for their sake. Are you kidding me? Of course I'm getting in there. I hope some people bring some, at least a mouthpiece or something to put in, but all right. Well, and as, a cup. Yeah, yeah, and a cup. Yeah, absolutely. As a UFC Hall of Fame guy, do you often have people approach you and ask, you know, maybe to go a round or two to see how tough they are? Um, yeah, here and there, but I'm always down for it. So, yeah, especially in the gyms, they do. But I'm okay. You have to train with anyone, you know, you like old people, young boys, girls, but, uh, yeah, it's fun. How about so the mall? I, I, just, I, I do it for fun. To me, it's, it's playful and light and loving. To other people, it's violent and mean, but that's just me. That's why well, they call me the American Psycho. Really? Well, I was just thinking at the mall or like McDonald's or anything. No, people leave you alone? I mean, actually, people are a, a lot nicer to your face, you know? It's all the, all the talking and, and all the ego and all that to hide behind. That's usually done behind a computer screen. Yeah. And a keyboard. I'm sure, like, there's been a ton of people that have actually despised me, talking about me on the internet, and then they see me and go, "Oh, hey, Stefan, can I get a picture with you, please? Thank you." And then I turn around, and they go, "Ah, oh, that guy. I used to probably take that pussy." Yeah, that's just, you know, that's how it is. I'm pretty tough on a keyboard myself, but you know, you know, I've had some talk show wannabes challenge me. You know, I think they can do my job better, but so far I'm undefeated. As I've, I've pretty much ducked everyone, but. I, I, anyway, but let, let's take a look back on your career, all right? In 2005, your fight with Forrest Griffin as the season one Ultimate Fighting finale uh, is still listed as one of the top five USC fights of all time, maybe the top one. So I guess I was thinking it must be pretty cool to be able to someday queue it up on YouTube for your grandkids. It's still going to be getting views even then. Am I going to queue it up for my grandkids? Well, I'm just saying you got something that's kind of timeless because it's considered one of the top UFC fights ever. I mean, yeah, it it, cha- it it represents like I love the way Frank Mir described it. It represents kind of that the BCAD line of MMA. It took it out of the dark ages and brought it into the light. It opened people up to the sport. So many people were turned off by it. It was you know John McCain uh, petitioned against it, got it banned in 38 states. Human cockfighting. It's terrible. It's gross. It's disgusting. These people are vile human beings and creatures and then we go out there and a lot of people they weren't sure if they should like it or if they shouldn't they some people were hardcore fans but they were kind of ashamed of it they they didn't want their bosses or their wife's friends to know and and that fight kind of opened people's hearts up to say you know what this is an acceptable sport these guys are all right guys and you know what i don't care what anyone thinks i like this sport and then people bonded over it people called each other there was like what, a million and a half, 1.8 million people tuned in? But by the second round, it peaked at over 10 million. That's because people were bonding with each other, saying, hey, dad, turn this fight on. Hey, cousin, turn this fight on. Hey, brother. Now when people come up and tell me about it, like, they, they go, oh, my God, when you fought for us, I remember exactly where I was and who I was with. And then their eyes light up and they're smiling. And you see their heart open and they're reminiscing about it, connecting with their family and friends. Spud, spud. Yeah. Hey, you know I was locked up when this fight was on television? But we had Spike TV in the rec room, so we all got to see it. Now, look, I'm not in the cage fights myself, because you know, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But it was on, so I gotta admit, it was pretty entertaining. They both were so tired at the end, I was hoping someone gave them like, some Gatorade real quick, because they, they looked pretty dehydrated. 
Uh, hey, man, I need a minute here. No problem. So you guys had basic cable at Pelican Bay? Yes. That's good to know. I would have thought they would only have, like, you know, the boring broadcast channels, you know, channels 2 through 13. Oh, I think with prison reform now, they're probably forced to upgrade the cable package at prisons all around the country. You'd think so, but they, they were too cheap to spring for HBO, so I never got to see Sex on the City until I got out. That's too bad. Yeah. I should probably get back, you know, right now and get to the interview and finish it up. I don't want to make him mad. All right, I'm back. All right, great. Well, you know, you still fought into your late 30s. I believe after the Tito Ortiz fight, you mentioned it wasn't as much fun as it was when you were younger. You know, do fighters feel the punches more the older you get? No, it just, I knew I wasn't uh, at my best, you know. Just the, the damage had added up. Um, I, my reactions weren't as good. My, I was never really a fast guy to begin with. And then, you know, I, you, know you, you lose a step when you get up around 40. So physically, uh, yeah. I knew I wasn't at my peak anymore. I knew I wasn't the strongest version of myself. And um, and I knew it's only going to get worse. Right. Well, in regards to the age thing, I got to say, I still play basketball. And I find elbows to my face do hurt a bit more now. So that's just, you know, anyway. All right. Well, I've been playing basketball myself, too, lately. I'm in a basketball fan. Oh, I got super. a court in my community where I live. And, yeah. I bet you're I'm rough under too- the boards, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm a white kid from Indiana, so, you know, pick and roll, hit all my free throws. You know, I'm one of those guys. Okay, well, let me say again, you're going to be in Tacoma on February 16th at the Peak Performance Facility. Tickets are still available, and will be available on the 15th for a meet and greet. Contact Jones at gmail.com for details. Hey, well, just thanks a bunch for coming on our show. Hell yeah, thanks for having me. Well, there you have it, Mr. Stefan Bonner. You know, Lawrence, if you ever do get hired by one of those multinational corporations as a talk show host, would you be willing to pass along my air check reel? He goes, off the record, you know, I've added a few catchphrases from a few other broadcasters, but I don't think the program directors will figure it out. It is a grand salami! Uh, I mean, you know, after you get settled in in the job and you're past your probationary period. Hey, can I get back to you on that one? Because it'd have to depend on a lot of things like my boss and what time slot I get and stuff like that. But if it does look like I'm killing it, yeah, sure. I'll maybe drop, drop your reel on them. Now, oh, we're, we're, cool. we're talking maybe a couple of years down the road, long after I get hired. That long? Yes. Really? Yes. I don't think I'll be around then. Well, you look pretty healthy to me, Spud. You'll be around. I don't see you dropping dead anytime soon. Oh, I agree. The Goodmans have a history of a long life well beyond what is even desirable, you know? They linger well past the quality years. That's so hot. Hey, Spud? Yeah? I guess Gerald is holding on the phone. He wants to talk to you. He said he's been texting you and you haven't responded. Yeah, my, my phone is on vibrate, and I could feel it blowing up. What's he want? I mean, he's supposed to be sick at home. You don't, you don't think he's asking me to come over to visit him after the show, do you? Like, you know, like asking me to maybe bring him some ice cream or 7-Up? Because I have plans later. Can, can you just tell him I can't take his call? 
I could, but as an intern, I really don't feel comfortable lying for you. That was never in my job description when I took this internship. Oh, honey, you don't have to do anything that makes you uncomfortable. And Dorothy, I would prefer you not let your still totally inappropriate relationship with our 21-year-old intern, uh, volunteer, whatever he is, affect my role as Chance's supervisor. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. How can you be my supervisor? I don't get paid. Well... It was a figure of speech, okay? Jeez. Uh, how about your authority figure? What's it gonna be, yo? Come on! Do you want me to put Gerald through or not? Uh, I, I guess so. I mean, he's, he's gonna keep bugging me if, if I don't speak with him. So He's so sensitive. Do you want me to handle uh, Daryl? You know, I am the co-host, and you know that, that might be part of my job. I don't think you talking to Gerald's gonna help much, because, I mean, you should just stay out of it. He, he gets really emotional on the phone. Very needy. Chance put him through. Uh, are you there, Spud? Yeah. I, you know, listen, I may be suffering from a very serious sinus infection, but I will try to tough it out if you need me right now. Um, you called us, okay? Oh, what do you want? I mean, and a sinus infection? I thought you were on your yeah. deathbed with like Ebola or something. You know, we're on the air, and it's kind of cheesy to take up valuable airtime that others could utilize. Lawrence here is trying to put together an air check reel, so it's very yeah. selfish to butt in right now. Yeah, well, but I am a student of history, as you know. As I said on a recent show, I'm very aware of the name Wally Pip. And I'm telling you, I will not become a modern-day Wally Pip. Uh, we have sort of a problem here. You know, everyone knows the story. He was the starting first baseman for the Yankees in 1925, and then he had to miss a game, and Lou Gehrig stepped in and never left the position for years and years. Well, you've already used the Wally Pip card. And as much as I would love to have Lawrence be this show's Lou Gehrig, he has bigger plans. I, I know you've been listening. Well, no, I, I haven't. I, I'm sick. Oh, okay, but yeah, listen, right. I, I don't believe him. After a few minutes doing my job, he's going to fall in love with it. And I don't appreciate the double standard on display in that studio right now. He has been <laughs> given the green light to do things that I've only ever dreamed of. I can't take this. How do you know? I mean, you aren't here. You don't know what's going on. You you called in sick, and you're you're probably on the couch or 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 heaven forbid the toilet right now. Man, do well, not do not pull a Trump and try to communicate to the world sitting on that thing. All right, it's disgusting. No collusion. I'm not speaking to you or or tweeting while I'm on the toilet. I'm sitting in my bedroom. I'm wrapped tightly in a Snuggie, and I'm covered in Vicks VapoRub. My wife, Rachel, has been applying a fresh coat every few hours. That's good to know. What I wanted to say was I find the freedom and leeway on the show that you allow Lawrence as the fill-in temporary co-host to be... Quite interesting, really, because I feel look, he's tem- I temporary permanent. Te- temporary permanent. And look, dude, I, I'm sorry you aren't feeling well, but I got to go. Do, do you want me to have Chance drop by, you know, later with a pint of Cherry Garcia or, or some popsicles? Uh, well, you know what? A few popsicles would probably be feel good for my throat. Thank you. But, but listen, back to my co-host position. I would really look. I'm losing. I'm losing you. I'm, 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 I can't. I I can't hear you. But hey, so, sorry. Hey. Yeah, I apologize for that, Lawrence. It's very embarrassing to hear a grown adult whine. Courtney, Chloe. 
Ah, no, that's no problem. I understand where he's coming from. Look, I wouldn't want anybody taking my job, but he needs to know I would never, ever do this gig regularly. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. You've made it clear. Jeez. No need to say anything further. No offense. All right, let me close the show now. Spud, you know Gerald is going to be a major pain in the ass when he does come back to work. Yes! Trust me, I know. All right, on behalf of my co-host Lawrence, my, my Aunt Dorothy, and... Yeah, okay, for Chance the Intern too. Thanks for tuning in. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, here is St. John in the Revelation. Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Lori Madsen, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions, engineered by Trevor Jastad, and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Associate producer TJ Pites, video director Wyatt Young, production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison, original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon, on air talent Rob McGee, David Deer, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2019 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking.